Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus both possess the qualities we're looking for in our team. Tough, gritty, smart, opportunistic winners. It was an easy decision for me. What am I about and what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Now, here's Kevin Powell. Welcome into Episode 60. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you for tuning in. Matt Verderam from Fanside. It covers the NFL. He'll join me in just a bit to talk some Bears, a little bit of Aaron Rodgers. We'll look ahead to the wild card weekend as well. But Ryan Poles, Matt Eberfuss holding their end-of-season press conference this week at Hallis Hall. Mostly drama-free. Shorter than I thought it would be. It was about 30 minutes. Uh, I thought we would maybe be in there for about an hour. But uh, I guess the big headline from Ryan Poles, he was asked, of course, about Justin Fields moving forward. And he was asked, uh, you know, is he your starting quarterback moving forward? And he said, yeah, you know, we've had discussions and he knows what he needs to improve on. There was a lot of good. And I don't think Ryan Poles is going to let on too much. Why would he as the top overall draft pick? What is he going to come out and say? There's absolutely no possible way we're going to draft a quarterback with the top overall pick. That's not going to happen, uh, but if he wants to put some some uncertainty out there when it does come to other general managers, and I'll get into, into this a little bit more with Matt, there are going to be some teams that might be willing to move up and, and give up a lot of picks. Personally, I think Ryan Poles is going to do everything possible to squeeze as much value out of that draft pick as possible, and the value being other draft picks. How many can he get in a deal? We'll see. Uh, how far down the draft order is he willing to move? Is there a way to move out of that topic and still land a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter? We'll see. I mean, it's something we're going to be talking about for the, for the next four months, but it's an exciting time for the Chicago Bears. They have a lot of flexibility this offseason. The salary cap, we know. The top pick, of course. Ryan Poles, by the way, was asked if he had was watching that end of that Texans-Colts game, which I know in the Soldier Field press box says that Bears game, which basically, it was basically a preseason game, at least it was like watching one, uh, towards the end of it, there was a whole bunch of media members just glued to the TV watching the end of that Texans-Colts game, and it was wild. The fact that it all played out that way. The fourth down conversions, the two-pointer. Lovey saying, I don't care. We're getting the win today, even if it costs us the top overall pick. And then Lovey got fired later that day. So it's, things are in order for Ryan Poles to be very aggressive this offseason. He says they're not just going to spend to spend, but I, I think they're going to add a lot via free agency, and I'm very excited to see what he can do with that top overall pick. I would be surprised if he does select a player with the first overall selection. I would. I, I think, you know, especially looking back to last year's draft, and I understand different circumstances, he was moving down a lot. He just wanted to get as many of his players possible into Hallis Hall as, as he could, and he did. But now you have the top overall pick. The whole different ball game here. And there might be some teams out there that get desperate, like the Indianapolis Colts, who have been signing one veteran towards the end of their career after another. Is it time they finally say, we're paying up, we're moving ahead, we're going to draft Bryce Young, Bryce Young, even if it costs us a whole bunch of draft picks. Chris Ballard trying to save his job. Maybe. 
So mostly uh, drama-free, nothing too crazy at Hallis Hall. I think everyone kind of understands the Bears' position here, and it feels like they do have their quarterback, although I, you know, the narrative just keeps going and the arguments keep going that is Bryce Young better than Justin Fields. Well, the Bears draft a quarterback number one. Now, I think they feel very good about Justin Fields. They know he needs to get better, but um, that was year two in a second system with an offensive line and no receiver. We've talked about this plenty. So I'll get into this more, uh, the Bears' current situation, uh, a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. Is he done in Green Bay? I think he's got one more year left in him up at Lambeau. And uh, look ahead to the playoffs a little bit. My conversation with Matt Verderam from Fansided. Now joining me on the podcast once again is Matt Verderam from Fansided, covers the National Football League and does it well. Matt, I appreciate you jumping on. You're Ryan Poles. You have the top pick. What do you do with it? I trade it. I trade it. Uh, but only if it gets the price I want. So, look, all this stuff about them trading Justin Fields to me is insane. It's crazy. Uh, there's no way I'm trading Justin Fields unless some team calls me and makes an offer that's so ridiculous that you just are compelled to take it. I'm talking like five first-round picks. Like something, something that would never happen. Um, if I'm Ryan Poles, I'm doing exactly what he did. I'm, I'm keeping every option open. I'm, I'm at least entertaining the idea uh, in the minds of others that, hey, maybe he's going to take a quarterback. Maybe maybe we have to up our offer. I don't think he's going to fool too many people, but he's got to try. Um, I'm not taking a defensive player number one overall. Not when that pick's worth what it's worth. No way. Uh, I think Will Anderson's going to be terrific. But if I'm polls, I'm telling every team outside the top ten that might come up for a quarterback, listen, the price is three first-round picks. That's what the Trey Lance deal established. It's what the Jared Goff and Carson Wentz deals established. Three first. If you're inside the top ten, if you're the Colts, if you're the Panthers, if you're maybe the Falcons or the Raiders, I want two first-round picks and I want another top 100 pick as well. Um, I'm not taking any less than that. You want a franchise quarterback, that's the price of doing business. Um, And then I would use that capital to build around fields in a major way along with the free agency money this year. Um, and if, if, look, if it doesn't work out, if he doesn't play as well as you think, maybe he takes a step back, fine. And you've got all these picks, and next year's a loaded QB class, and you can go find the QB. But I, I would try to build around that kid, much like we saw Philadelphia do around Jalen Hurts, and we sure that's turned out. Yeah, exactly. That's one example. And Ryan Poles yesterday to Hallis Hall wasn't going to come out and say, oh, it's just, just, you know, Justin Fields is absolutely 100% number one our guy. I mean, he said, yeah, he's our quarterback. And then, of course, immediately I'm seeing some stuff of people being like, um, you know, how are you not backing your quarterback publicly? you got to be all in on your quarterback. What do you want Ryan Poles to say? He's in a very enviable position here where he is going to play the game of trying to convince other teams to move up and pay a huge price, as you just laid out, for that top overall pick. Now, you got the Houston Texans at 2, Arizona 3. They're going to stick with Kyler. I look at the Colts, Matt. And this is an organization who's been been searching for a quarterback since Andrew Luck abruptly retired. And they've gone the route of trying to patch it together with veterans on the back end of their careers. Philip Rivers, Carson yep. Wentz, Matt Ryan, Chris Ballard all of a sudden who, who re- received a ton of high praise for many years building that team, right? You heard Chris Ballard, everyone's like, Chris Ballard, he's, he knows what he's doing. He's this incredible front office. He's on the hot seat, in my opinion. Like he, he, he is feeling that pressure, and he even talked about it this week. That's a team where I could really see like a Ballard being like, you know what, the past three, four years haven't worked trying to patch this thing together. If you're a GM, 
best way to buy yourself a couple years, right, is like trying to link yourself to a quarterback and saying, hey, we got a young quarterback. Give him a year. Give him two years. The Colts, to me, at four seems like a really, really good opportunity for the Bears to link up with them and make a deal. And then, who knows? You know, the Bears still have a top-five pick. Um, There's so much to play out. But I I look at the Colts, man. That's a team that really sticks out to me where they might just say, I'm done with the whole veteran thing. It's time we find our franchise quarterback. Well, A, I agree with you. B, and I'm going to write this in my column this week, so a little preview of it. Where did Chris Ballard work before he went to Indianapolis? Do you remember? Was it Kansas City? Yes. Yes. And he worked there for four years alongside Ryan Pauls. Mm-hmm. He knows Ryan Pauls. He knows Matt Eberflus. They are, they are very well acquainted. Yes, he does. Like, if that is the route the Colts want to go, that is the easiest phone call in the world to make. Mm-hmm. You can sit down and have dinner, and there's no awkwardness. Like, you know each other. You spent half a decade almost in the same building. You can sit down in Indianapolis. You can sit down if you both decide to go out and go to the Super Bowl week, which I don't think they will. But you could certainly do it in Mobile. You could do it in in Alabama. But they will definitely be in Indianapolis together in a month and a half to combine. You could sit down over a nice shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's and say, let's talk. Hell, you could go to Chris Ballard's house out in Indy and sit down and have dinner. So, I think that is absolutely in play. I think it's the most likely play. If you're the Colts, the other part of this is, too, the Texans are in your division. They pick second. Do you want them getting the guy that you want? Of course you don't. You'll do what you need to do to get up there and make a move. And you might feel like if you're Ballard, hey, Ryan's got to do his job, and he's going to do his job, and I respect that, but maybe he doesn't work me over the coals in the way that a guy I don't know would. So, like, I think if you're Ballard, it's absolutely worth it. If you if you fall in love with one of these quarterbacks and you're in Indianapolis, you've got, especially if it's one guy and you think there's a big drop-off, let's just say it's Bryce Young. If you're the Colts, you're going to tell me it's not worth swapping first this year, giving up next year's first, and then maybe a second or a third? Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if Bryce Young turns out to be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, you're not going to care. You think the Chiefs worried about the fact they, they gave up a first round and a third round pick from Mahomes? Like, they don't care. Why would they? Yeah. So I think for the Colts, it makes a lot of sense. And the other team I keep an eye out on is Carolina. Carolina has a ton of draft picks because of that Christian McCaffrey deal. The Panthers absolutely have the goods, if they want to, to go up. They've got an extra first, an extra second, an extra third, an extra fourth. They could absolutely call the Bears and outbid just about anybody. So I think those two teams are the two that I would watch the closest. How, uh, what do you feel about Bryce Young? What do you think about the, quarter, the quarterback class, the top three guys? You know, I'm going to be very honest. Will Levis, I have not watched a lot up to this point. I mean, I, I usually dig in to some of this stuff. After the season ends, I'm just so busy until the end of the Super Bowl that I, I would be divorced if I sat there and watched tape of these kids <laughs> all over the place. Now, Sean Young, I've seen a lot of just from watching them over the course of their careers because they're on you know, so many big games and they're on TV so much. Um, Stroud is really intriguing to me. 
I mean, he's a guy who, look, I, I think he's got all the tools you need, like his size, like his game. He can win within the pocket. He's got enough mobility that he can get outside. We saw what he did against Georgia, which is basically, well, Georgia's about as close to a pro defense as you're going to get. And he played really well in a huge game. Like I I was really impressed by him, not only in that game, but just in the, even in the last couple of years. I think Stroud's somebody who's going to be a very good NFL quarterback. Now, is he going to be that upper echelon, you know, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, so on and so forth? I don't know. But I do think he's going to be a very good player. Young is a hard evaluation for me. And I'm going to ask people around the league that I know here in the next month or so about what they think. But Young has a ton of talent. He's also very small. And I know people, you'll get these people who come out and are like, it shouldn't matter that he's small. Yeah, that's nice. It does matter that he's small. And not because, oh, he can't take a hit, although that is a concern. When you're six feet and under, and you're playing behind a line of guys who are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", you now have to constantly find those windows, and that turns into a lot of, like, we've got to move the pocket, we've got to get you outside, which A, exposes you to more hits, and B, it cuts down some of the things you can do, unless you're a magician back there. Drew Brees was short, but it was one of the great talents he ever had, was being able to manipulate the pocket, and he was perfectly accurate. Bryce Young is going to have to be able to be like that in the pocket at the NFL level. He's got to be like that much more than Kyler Murray's proven to be. It's part of the reason Murray's gotten hurt over the last couple of years, not just the ACL, but other ding, you know, bruises and getting dinged up. I think Young's talent certainly qualifies him as a top-level pick. I'm worried about the size, though, for those reasons. Can you, because uh, I know you're tracking this too, though. Can The Bears need so much help, like so much help yep. up and down the roster, specifically in the trenches. And Ryan Poles is known for his background. He was an offensive lineman himself. Uh, he, he's, he knows the trenches, offensive and defensive line. And you look back to last offseason when really all he was given out last year, Matt, were one-year prove-it type deals. And really nobody proved anything on those one-year deals. But it was a bridge year and it was a strip-it-down year, and we all know what this season was. Was. The one contract yeah. he was willing to hand out was to a defensive tackle in Larry Ogunjobi. That was the one position where, in the, even in a year when they were stripping it down, he's like, we know how important that position is in every defense, really, especially in a defense like this 4-3 cover 2 style of defense that right. Matt Eberflus rolls out, where you have to get pressure from the front four. They had no pressure whatsoever from the front four. So I think that gave you kind of a glimpse of how he views all of it, where he was, and then that deal fell apart because of the physical and all that. But there are some names out there when it does come to defensive line, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is actually a really good draft, especially early for offensive and defensive linemen. Not great at safety. Tight end has depth, but it's not great at the early part. Tight end, although with the Bears, you're not worried about tight end anyway. Um, it's, for receivers, it's decent. It's pretty good early. Uh, but it's, it's really good in the trenches. There's some good corners to be had. Obviously, we've talked about the quarterbacks. But, yeah, I think if you're the Bears, like, let's say you trade back to four. Okay, well, then the Colts are taking a quarterback. The Texans are taking a quarterback. The Cardinals are not going to take a quarterback. The Cardinals might take Will Anderson or Carter out of Georgia. Yeah. Well, if you're at four, you're getting one of the other two guys. Like you're, whoever they don't take, you're getting. And I think both both players look like guys who could be pro ball, all pro level players. So if you're Chicago, you're either getting a dominant force inside, you hope, or a premier prospect at edge. I think if you're the Bears, that's a win, and you walk away with extra picks. Yeah. I if, think if it's they, a win because you take either one of those guys at one. Yeah. Like, you're the Bears, I think, at a quarterback. So, um, 
Yeah, I think look, this has got to be a draft. If you're the Bears, you've got to go into it in my mind, and, and this goes for free agency as well. You need to protect Justin Fields, and you need to be able to get to the other quarterback. If you do nothing else this offseason, but those two things, and I would add, look, you got to get him some kind of a weapon here. If you do that, that's fine. Like, I know there's going to be being, I mean, obviously your base guy on base just outside of it. Like, there's always this idea that, like, they have all this money, they have 100 plus million in space, and they've got to spend it. You don't want to get in the trap where, well, we just have to spend it because we have it. Like, spend it wisely. You can roll cap space in the NFL. Like, they, if they want to roll $50 million, they can do it. That's fine. This is not a great for agency class. So, if you're the Bears, identify three, four guys that you're like, we really want to go after these guys. Go after them. Try to get a decent value. Be willing to pay the market price. But I think if you're the Bears, if you walk out fixing the two sides of the lines and you get fields a legitimate weapon on offense, it's good offseason. Like, you can really build off of that. What do you think of the uh, DeAndre Hopkins stuff? Do you think, uh, I know Bears fans immediately are like, hey, that could be a guy. What do you think about that possibility? I mean, if he's on the market, it's worth the kick of tires. I mean, he's a little bit older at this point. Yeah. A little bit older. Um, I wouldn't go nuts. The other part of this is, too, I'm not doubting Jordan Schultz's reporting. I, I, I know Jordan. I like Jordan. Um, you wonder where that comes from because they don't have a GM or a coach right now. So I highly doubt that's coming from Michael Bidwell. Like, I, I don't I don't know if it like, you're talking. I mean, that's about the highest level source you could have. I mean, I'm not going to say Jordan couldn't have that as a source, but that's, a, that, that's an odd place for something like that to come from. Usually it's from front office personnel or from an agent. And if you're an agent, I mean, maybe you'll leak something like that if you just want to get them the heck out of there. Um, but, look, I, I don't think you're going over the moon to give away DeAndre – or to, to go get DeAndre Hopkins. At this point, he's still a very, very good player. And to me, it depends on what the price is. Like, I'm not giving them a top 50 pick for DeAndre Hopkins. I'm just not. Not at this point in his career. Like, you want to give him a – a late day two, something like that. Okay, um, but the by the time the Bears are ready to compete for something really significant, what is DeAndre Hopkins going to be for you? Are you going to and and on top of that, does he want to rework contract? Because if he wants that at his age, that's a big risk. If I'm the Bears, I'm trying to build this team as a younger team. I'm not trying to acquire anybody who's on the back end of their, their career. Yeah. No, I agree. I think the only reason to do something like that would just be like, hey, we still just need to keep giving Justin Fields weapons, you know, and, and give him something. They Listening to Ryan Poles talk yesterday, they still feel very, very high on Chase Claypool. And, uh, they, you know, the way it's looking now, considering the Bears had the top pick and they gave up second rounder, their own second rounder for Claypool, they've got to get production out of him. And I understand, you know, the Fields talked about it a lot during the season. It's tough. To, to enter a team in the middle of the year and learning an offense, and then Claypool was kind of dinged up, and so was Fields. So hopefully they can get some production out of Chase Claypool next year because he is that big body type number. He's a he's a number one type frame. I, I wouldn't call him a number one yet, but he, he's got the size and the ability. So hopefully they can get something out of him. Aaron Rodgers, uh, 
First of all, I just love the way Detroit played that game. I know we're trying to look ahead a little bit here, but I, you're, you're a football guy. I'm sure you just really appreciated the Dan Campbell-led Lions going into Lambeau and doing what they did. We're seeing hook and ladders, Matt. We're seeing uh, Jamal Williams pound the rock constantly. It, it was just a, I just love the way the Lions approached that game, going forward on fourth down. They didn't care they were eliminated from the playoffs. They went up there and they beat Aaron Rodgers in a game that through I've watched a ton of Rodgers growing up. He doesn't lose those games. And for Dan Campbell and the Lions to play the way they did and to grind and fight and claw their way to a victory, it was impressive. And then, of course, immediately the question is, is Rodgers done in Green Bay? Personally, Matt, I think he's got one more year up there. What do you think? So as far as the Lions go, I love the Lions for a, a lot of reasons, but one of them is, that team, they don't worry about all the analytics or all these numbers. They're just like, look, we're going to play football. We're just going to play hard-nosed football. We're going we're to throw some stuff at you don't expect. They, they play football with a certain joy to them that is a lot of fun to watch. Um, it's damn the numbers. Here it comes. Stop it. And i got to tell you, quietly, one of the stories of the year, Jared Goff played really well. Absolutely. Like, Jared Goff is a top 10 quarterback this season, un- unquestionably. Um, okay, and Detroit probably has two first round picks. Like, Detroit set up because the Rams just gave away the farm uh, from Stafford, which was, they won a Super Bowl, but now it's paying off big time for Detroit. Uh, and James Williams looks like he can play. So I'm excited about them. I think, you know, Brad Holmes done a nice job as GM there. They also have John Dorsey on that staff. Nobody drafted better than John Dorsey in Kansas City and Cleveland. You go look at the drafts they had, those two cities. Dorsey, I wouldn't say gets all the credit for winning the Super Bowl in Kansas City. I mean, Veach certainly had a big hand in it, but you could split the credit. I mean, it, they they both had a huge hand on why team won a Super Bowl, and they are what they are now. Um, but look, I, on to Rodgers, I, I hesitate to sit here and say I can get into Aaron Rodgers' mind. I don't know that I want to, and I don't know that I can. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you're the Packers – you're ready to move on from this whole thing. I, I really do. I, I just think, what is the end game if you're the Packers? You're not winning next year. They're going to lose guys. You look at their – they're going to lose a lot of guys. Like, that team is so capped out at this point. His contract's astronomical. It's going to be 40 years old. They're, they're going to be worse from a personnel standpoint next season, and they won eight games this year. I mean, and the Bears should be better. The Lions are – the Lions, I think, are already better than the Packers. Minnesota, I don't know what to make of Minnesota. I mean, thirteen and four, and they could have gone six and eleven. But <laughs> they're at least, you know, but they they split with the Packers this year. I think they're at least you know on par with them. I just, I think the Packers, if you can trade him, trade him and find out what you have in Jordan Love, because you've got to make a decision. And frankly, you're done winning Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's unless he plays till he's forty five years old, they have some kind of a renaissance. Like that, they're done. They're done winning Super Bowls. So I'd move on. As far as he's concerned, I don't know what he wants to do. I mean, you never know what he wants to do because he's purposely so cryptic with all this stuff. But if I'm the Packers, I'd probably sit him down and say, look, man, give us a list of two or three teams you'd go to. We'll do right by you, but it's time. And I don't know if they'll do that, but that's what I would do. Who do you think would bite on Because there's so much money on that deal. I don't know the Raiders. Uh, I don't even know who. Who do, who do you think no, would I bite mean, on something well, like that? 
I mean, the, the money is such a qualifier here. Yeah, because I mean, it's crazy he, money. If, if he gets traded, his cap hit for the team that's acquiring him is is astronomical. Like you're talking fifty plus million dollars. I the only teams that even have the space to consider doing something like that. The Giants, who I actually think are really interesting if that were to come to pass. The Raiders have thirty five million in space. I mean you could create it. The Jets have fifteen million, like they're not doing it. The commanders, like is he gonna go to Daniel Snyder's team? I don't think so. Um <laughs> That would be such yeah, I mean, that would be such a reality show. Aaron Rodgers with the Washington Commanders. Yes, it would be. It would be it would it would keep me in business for a long time. Um <laughs> uh, but I yeah, I think it's just it's and that's the thing, right? I mean, it's hard. Like, if you're him, would you go to the Giants? I mean, the Giants are a good young team. He's certainly better than Daniel Jones. Now, the media there would would absolutely take him to task every week. That's talk about a reality show. Um, but I think you know the Raiders make a lot of sense, right? I mean, he's from California, so you're not far away in Vegas. You got Devontae Adams getting the band back together. But the question with the Raiders is, you know, would would they do that? Or would they rather just go sign Tom Brady? Now, I think the Raiders are nuts if they do that, only because look, Brady's incredible. I mean, nobody's arguing that. But he's 46 years old next summer. Like, you're, not, you're not winning the Super Bowl. If Brady's in the AFC, as he currently sits, where does he rank among AFC quarterbacks? Fifth? Sixth? I mean, and he's 46? You know, I don't know. I, I, what are they, the third best team in the division with him? Well, they're the third best team in the division without him. So... Uh, I, I don't know what the Raiders would do there. And then I just don't see the other fits. I mean, the Jets are interesting. They don't have the cap space. Um, you know, and would they give up all those picks? So it's hard. It's a very hard spot. My guess is because of all that, he'll probably just end up back there. Yeah. But I think they're just, in their current form to me, they're done as a meaningful contender in the NFL. Yeah, you know, the way like Brady's whole departure from New England worked and going to Tampa Bay was because the contract... He, it, if I remember correctly, Matt, it was he was basically just doing like one year type deals with New England, and then on top of that, Tampa really needed a quarterback, and they actually had a ton of really good players on the roster already. Like that, that worked out perfectly for Brady. Obviously, they won a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, well, a lot of that too was look, that was the perfect storm. Brady wanted out because you know the, the relationship with Belichick at that point was somewhat strained. They did not have the weapons anymore. I mean, if you remember, Gronk wasn't there. Uh, Edelman was on his last legs. They didn't have anybody else. I mean, that that last team he played on, the 2019 Patriots, they, they had nobody offensive. They, they lost to the Titans at home in the wild card. I mean, they, they couldn't score. And so he went to Tampa because they had Ed, Evans and Godwin, and they were a team that was basically a 500 team with Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions. So... He went there and said, "I got an offensive-minded coach in Arians, and we're going to be able to we're going to be able to throw the ball a ton. I still have an arm, which he does, and he did. And I think it worked out for him. Uh, as you said, obviously they won the Super Bowl. But I, I, I guess I, I guess I just I guess I just brought it up because like the whole Rodgers thing. Anybody saying like, oh, he could just you know do what Brady did? I'm like, it's it's totally it, it's way more complicated. It's, oh, it's, be, it's so much different than than the Brady being like, oh, I'm leaving New England. I'm going to Tampa. They got a great roster, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. No, the Rodgers thing is just way more complicated. It's 100. First of all, you got to trade for Rodgers. Okay, you didn't have to trade for Brady. You could sign him. So that's number one. Number two, Brady signed. With Tampa for a deal that really, by like by quarterback standards, is not that expensive. 
Like Brady was willing to go there and just kind of do what he's always done, which is take a little less money. Rodgers is taking less money for nobody. Okay, like Rodgers is Rodgers. He's going to take every dime he can get, which is fine, by the way. Like he's entitled to do that. He's a great quarterback, deserves the money, but he's not going anywhere and taking a twenty million dollar haircut. So th- that invites the question: Like, okay, where is he going? That you're like that team can win now. I'm sorry, the Raiders. They're not winning right now. They're not. I, even if he goes there, like, would they be a playoff team? Yeah. Are they beating the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals? No, probably not. I, I mean, I. I don't think so. The Giants would be the team, if I'm him, that would intrigue me the most. It's a, it's a good young team. They they do need weapons, which would concern me because he's just dealt with that in Green Bay. But defensively, they've got some young pieces you like. Like That's a team. It's a division where I know Philly's having a great year, but you're not like overly intimidated by it. And you stay in the NFC, which is the weaker of the conferences. The Giants, to me, would be the one team that would make some sense. But again... Are the Giants willing to give him $50 million? Like, I, that is just such a huge amount of money. And it's why I think even if the Packers shop him, teams are just going to say, we're not we're not taking on that amount of cash. Like, By the way, just to be clear, the cap hit for him is only like $31 million or something like that. But because of the way the contract is structured, the ownership, like you, you actually have to pay him like $51 million in cash. So the owner is going to go, that's great with the cap hit, guys, but we still have to write him a $51 million check. And you're going to have a lot of owners who just say, I'm not, I'm not doing that. It's not happening, and that'll be the end of it. Uh, before I let you go, Matt, a quick look ahead to Wild Card Weekend. Saturday, it's the Seahawks and 49ers. Pretty incredible what San Francisco is doing. Third-string quarterback, what Purdy's doing. Then we got the Jags Chargers. Sunday, it's Dolphins and Buffalo. Buffalo's going to destroy Miami. Two is not playing. Uh, Giants and Vikings, I think, could be an interesting one. Ravens-Bengals. And then we'll finish up Monday night, uh, Cowboys-Buccaneers. Can I get a quick Verderam Wild Card Weekend preview? Maybe some picks mix in there as well, Matt? Yeah, I think, look, I talked to Tyler on Lockett on Monday night, and I asked him, look, you guys have not been able to score against the Niners. What's it going to take? What do you have to do? And his answer immediately was, we have to score the touchdown in the red zone. Like, when we get down there, it's got to be sevens. I looked it up. They only got to the red zone twice, all, all of the of the two games against the Niners. Like, it's going to be a dogfight for them. They, to me, of the NFC games, I can't. that's the one upset I can't see happening. I can see Seattle maybe hanging in there a little bit. Maybe Geno hits a big ball deep. I mean, he's been good with the deep balls, but I, I just cannot see them beating the Niners in that game. Can't, I will say one thing though: I don't know if you looked at the weather. It's supposed to be a monsoon out there on okay. Saturday, so that that is one thing that's interesting. Does it muck up the game enough where Seattle can just kind of hang around? I don't know. I think Seattle uh, could cover night, ten points, though. I will say that Forty ers are given ten in that one. Not that this is a gambling podcast, but looking at it and the, with all of that, I could see you know I could see Seattle lingering. Well, the weather could change things, as you know, as well as I do. The NFL, one thing about the playoffs, I say this to people all the time, the NFL, every game is game seven. You don't know. Like, all it takes is a team having three fumbles on a day or a ball that gets tipped up in the air and picked off. and Like, that stuff happens. It happens. Now, that said, I think the Niners win the game. I think they win comfortably. Jacksonville and the Chargers. The Chargers are more talented than Jacksonville. But I, I will say, I think mentally – the Chargers are in a bad spot right now. You come off of one of the dumbest coaching decisions I've ever seen in my life <laughs> where there's nothing to gain at all, and you play everybody on a team that is made of glass every year. And now Mike Williams is hurt, and Joey Bose is practicing, but he's on the injury report, and Kenneth Murray, you don't know what he's going to be. Like, that is a, that's a bad way to go in the playoffs. And 
They're on a shorter week than Jacksonville because Jacksonville played on Saturday. Jacksonville was home. The Chargers had to go from Denver back to L.A. Now they got to go all the way across the country to Jacksonville, play teams one five in a row. The Chargers are more talented, but I, I cannot stress strongly enough how much I feel like the Chargers are going to do three things in that game that loses the game. So I will take Jacksonville to win. Sunday, we don't have to spend time on the Dolphins and the Bills. Skyler Thompson's not winning that game. The Bills, that line could be 20. It wouldn't be high enough. I take the Bills to win the game. Sunday afternoon, Giants-Vikings to me, that's the chaos game of the weekend. Anything's possible. If you told me one of those teams won by 30, I'd believe it either way. If you told me the Vikings lost missing, missing a 20-yard field goal, I'd believe it. <laughs> I'm going to take the Giants. The Vikings have just played such weird games all year. I think the Giants are all coached. I don't think they'll turn the ball over. I think the Vikings will. I don't trust Cousins in big spots. I think the Giants go on the road and they win that game. And then Sunday night, and Cincinnati and Baltimore reports are Jackson's not going to play, which, by the way, that is something to watch this entire offseason. I think Cincinnati wins that game by 10 to 13 points. I can make, you know, Baltimore maybe covers back door or something like that, but I think they'll like seven. But I think Cincinnati wins pretty easily. I don't think there's much resistance. And Sunday, uh, Monday night, Tampa-Dallas, hardest game for me to pick. I'm taking Tampa. I don't trust Dallas. Dallas is better and should beat them. But... The, the Cowboys are just always good in spots like this for a meltdown. 10 or 12 penalties. Dak leads the league in picks, and he barely played over half the season. He's been awful. I hated what I saw out of Dallas against Washington. Tampa, to me, they're, they're going to potentially win this game, and I think that's it. I don't think they're beating anybody else. But I will take Brady over a Cowboys team that I just cannot trust. I'm kind of with you there. You know, Dallas favored by two and a half, three, whatever you're looking at. Um, I just want good games, to be honest, at this point, Matt. That's always kind of what I'm rooting for when we get to this time of year. I also get that anxiety that feeling with knowing that football is over in a month. It's a terrifying thought, man. But we will enjoy the uh, playoffs. Matt Verderam cover, uh, covers the NFL for Fanside. He does a great job doing it. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. What's your Twitter account, Matt? I should have it up. I don't. Matt At Matt Verderam. V-E-R-D-E-R. A-M-E-Fansided.com. Matt, I appreciate the time, man. Always great insight. Hey, no problem, KP. Anytime. And that's going to do it for Episode 60 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Matt for joining me. Thanks to Ernie Scat and Brian Altimer for producing the podcast. And thank you for listening. I'm Kevin Powell. This is the WGN Radio Football Podcast. <laughs>